Um, the vision statement here at Impact Rock Church is helping people love and follow Jesus. Um, just a simple six-word statement. Last week I preached a message called Helping People, dot, dot, dot. Anyone wants to take a stab at what the name of this today's message is? Dot, 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 love and follow Jesus. That's right. It's the remainder. And, and I could say, you know, anyone know what the dot, dot, dot is called? It's an ellipsis. That's right, ellipsis. But I, I like dot, dot, dot better. I, I think that's, that's funner. I made reference to this as I was praying, but trust that is not demonstrated is not trust at all. Trust has to be demonstrated, right? Like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do, you know, a trust fall, you know, right now. And I stand here and I say I'm going to do a trust fall, but then I don't fall. I didn't do a trust fall. And I, I don't know that I would do a trust fall on a Sunday morning. That's kind of dangerous. Yeah, risk and reward. What's the reward in that? I'm sorry. I know what the risk is. What's the reward in that? I don't see it. So how do we demonstrate our trust? What actions do we demonstrate our trust with? We, we cling. We invest. We call. We call out to people we trust. We cling to things we trust. We grab a hold of institutions that we trust. But I think one of the greatest ways we can trust, most of us are pretty bad at, and that's rest. When we make the decision to honor God with rest, to rest, it is a declaration of trust, and most of us don't make that declaration. We're too busy. There's too much work to be due. I don't have to... I don't have enough time to rest. I'm too busy to rest. We're going to read a couple of scriptures today. They're kind of, kind of, there's contrast there. But you'll see the theme of rest in both of them. We're going to stay, we're going to preach on rest here for, for a few weeks. We're going to stay on this topic for a while. We just want to be patient with it. But I want to tell you guys something really cool that the Lord did. And the Lord, he, he amazes me with the little things. We should still be amazed at the little things and we should just marvel at the big things of God. So I was spending time with the Lord this week and he started speaking the, the theme of rest to me. Um, and I'm like, oh, you know, that's, it's been a while since I've examined the theme of rest because I have in my calendar um, the first Sunday in May, I get an alert and it just has this question. Are you resting are you trusting God? And I've had that in my calendar for years. Are you resting? And it's like, I'm asking that to me. Mark, are you resting? Because I've been really bad at resting. Most of us are. I definitely am. Are you resting? Are you trusting? So the Lord started talking to me about rest. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Lord, yeah, it's been a while since I've really examined this. And he's like, well, how, how long has it been? And I'm like, oh, so I pull up my calendar, and, I, and, you know, there's that first Sunday in May. I believe it was May 3rd. I'm like, oh. And he goes, count, count the weeks. So this Sunday is exactly, or, or, yeah, this week is exactly 26 weeks from that reminder. It's exactly the midpoint of the year in resting. And I was amazed by that. It could have been anything. It could have been the, the 25th or the 32nd, but it was the exact midpoint. 
And he said, will you trust me with your life? And so this is what we're preaching on as a church. And I say the same thing. Will we trust God with our rest? I talked about that, that vision statement. Helping people love and follow Jesus. If we want to truly love on people and help them follow the Lord, help them grow in love for the Lord, then this discipline, this not just discipline, this commandment of rest, we, we have to grab a hold of it and cling to it as truth and not just some recommendation that if we have time, we'll adhere to. So if you want to turn in your Bibles or open in your Bible app um, to Psalm 23, um, we're going to read the entire chapter of the 23rd Psalm, which is six verses. And uh, we're going to take a look for this theme of rest. So Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, I, I see in this the, the obvious themes of follow, of following the good shepherd who is trustworthy. And I see the theme of rest in everything. I see the theme of trust. We can trust the Lord with our strength, with our rest, with our nourishment, with the restoration of our souls. The places of comfort and refreshing with our sustenance, with feeding us, with our enemies and protecting us and covering us and replenishing us and pouring out the Holy Spirit over us and anointing us and being with us every day of our life and never leaving us, never forsaking us. It's all right here. I, I want to read it again. I just want to unpack just at, at five different places. So verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jesus is my shepherd. Jesus is our leader. I always have more than I need. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. You guys, how amazing is it that God offers to us places of rest in his rich presence, in his abundant love, not, not laying down in some place where we're not sure if there's safety or protection, but we get to rest in his love and in his presence. He brings me to a place of peace beside a quiet brook where I find refreshing joy. Kara made reference to, you know, life, man, life, life is hard. We, we do life. Life can be hard. We need refreshing. We need joy. And there's times things just take it. 
How good is it to know that our God restores it when we follow his lead? We may have lost it. We may have lost joy. We may have lost peace. We may have lost hope. But he will restore if we'll follow the good shepherd's lead and where he guides us to. He restores my soul. He revives our life. He guides me along his right path of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. I love that. I, I especially like, love it when I, when I blow it. I especially love this when I blow it. I'm like, oh, well, that didn't honor you. Well, that didn't honor you, and it just, you know, it wrecks me, and it, then I beat myself up. And I'm just reminded, follow me. I'm setting the path of righteousness. If you'll follow this, you, you will glorify my name. You will bring glory to my name. These are the steps. You know what? How about this, Mark? Just step right behind me. Just every, every footstep. Just, just kind of step behind me. Paths of righteousness. And in doing so, you're going to see that you'll glorify my name. Because that's my desire. That's our desire, right? Lord, I just want to glorify you. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Walking through the, um, the valley of the shadow would be bad. Man, that sounds ominous, the valley of the shadow, shadow valley. Or walking through like the valley of death, that'd be bad. But here we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is saying, Lord, even when your path takes me through the dark valley, I'm comforted by you. We're going to walk out hard things, and the hard things we walk out aren't always attacks from the enemy. It, it is purposeful for each of us to die. Walking out the death of a loved one is hard. But it, we can't sit there and look at it and say, oh, that was an attack from the enemy. And maybe sometimes, I mean, we see the enemy steal and kill and destroy, and we see that. So I'm not, this isn't a blanket statement, but I'm saying when we walk through hardship, if we know that, hey, I'm, Lord, I'm walking it, I don't understand why I'm walking out this path through this dark place, but I know that I'm walking in obedience to you. I haven't gone off track. I haven't. So, Lord, I, I trust you. And his comfort is there. His reassurance is there. He's like, we, you will get through this. You're walking with me. Your authority is my strength. And my peace. When it talks about your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You guys, we we really we stink at being Lord. You just you're no good at it. You just you're even at your best, you're mediocre at being Lord. We are to make Jesus, Lord and Savior. Not just Savior, not just acknowledge that we're saved because of him, but to say, you get to be the boss. You get to call the shots. You have the wheel, and I'm not going to nag you from the passenger seat. You are Lord. And your authority, it brings comfort to us. 
comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely until you are near. I mean, it's only six verses, but I feel like sometimes we, we plow through Scripture and we don't stop and chew on the depth that's contained in every word of God. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Even when we are attacked by enemies, the Lord is our delicious meal. He is our feast. Interesting, interesting to think of the Lord as our feast. Not just him providing the feast, but that he is our feast. We can just, we can just go and just feast on him, on his goodness, on his love, to the point that, that we're stuffed. And then there's always more, like dessert. There's always more room for, for more of Jesus. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. Our God is a good God. And he gives good gifts to his children. He's a good God. Scripture tells us that. And then it says this, how much more so will, will your good God, your heavenly Father, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And, and we see in this passage that we get the overflowing, the fragrance, the love of the Holy Spirit. We get to drink all we can of him, of him, the Holy Spirit, until our cup overflows. And then we don't get fussed at for making a mess. Why would I fear the future? Verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. When I was a kid, if I can just rabbit trail a little, I would hear this and I, I would think, surely, like there was, there was a TV show where Shirley was on the TV show. I'm like, oh, Shirley's going to follow me. Her last name is Goodness. <laughs> surely goodness is going to follow me. It's S-U-R-E-L-Y, surely, for sure, a show. If my kids were here right now, that would have been one of those cringe moments where they're like, did you really just say it's a show? Stop it, Mark. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Here's what he's saying. Only goodness and tender love is going to follow you. And th that has nothing to do with hard times. That's not. God's goodness is with us in the midst of hard times. God's love is with us in the midst of hard times. Then when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence, and I'll be with you forever. Isn't that good? Isn't that comforting? I mean, that's amazing, right? Let's bring up this picture of, I mean, you know, this is, this is what I think, that's the visual I have as I'm reading this. Do you guys ever, like, do they still have love sacks in the mall? Remember in the mall, like, you'd, like, like, guys remember love sex because we'd be at the mall with our wives or girlfriends or whatever, and they'd be shopping, and we'd be exhausted, and we'd see the love sack store, and we're like, hey, babe, why don't you go to the next store? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the love sack store. And it was these, like, bean bags, but they weren't just bean bags. They were full of 
like several of these sheets. If you just kind of push them in and you just lay down, you're like, oh, it's a sheep love sack. And it's so good. It's so comforting. I'm just going to rest right here. And then I, I look at this and rest. Psalm 23, rest. This image, rest. I think of God's goodness, right? Isn't that good? That's comforting, right? Just restful. So what about when Jesus leads us into the storm? What about this image? Is Jesus any less faithful when he leads us into the place of the storm? We'll turn now to Mark chapter 4. I told you there'd be two contrasting images. The first was the 23rd Psalm. And the next is Jesus leading the disciples and others into the storm. Mark 4, verse 35. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowds, they took him with them in a boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. Let's make sure we grab this visual. It's not just the boat that Jesus is on. Other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. He was resting. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Once again, this is one of those passages we just take it into chunks, right? The storm, the chunk. And we're just going to tackle it verse by verse. So basically, Disciples get into a boat with Jesus, right? Storm arises. The Lord calms the sea. Wind settles down. Waves get smaller, right? Not even close. Not even close. I, I truly believe this story gets so simplified that we miss the bigness of what takes place. So I'm going to un unpack this here. Back to verse 35. On that day when evening had come, so evening had come, so what does it look like outside? What's it, what does it look like outside? It's dark, okay? We're painting a picture, okay? Last image, sunny fields, sheep, middle of the day, 72 degrees, cool breeze. Okay, that is not this. Okay, that is not this. It is dark. And he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowds, they took him with them in a boat just as he was, and other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose. We'll stop right there. This was not just 
a windstorm. And actually, I don't think this is just a great windstorm because now we're left to our own imagination. Yeah, I remember that day it was really windy and I had to put the seat cushions away because they would have blown all over the neighborhood. That was a great windstorm, right? Like we, we go to our, our place, our reference. Mark uses these two words. If you go to blueletterbible.org or open your concordance, these are the two words that Mark uses for great windstorm. Megas is the first word. Megas. Like in megas, like mega. Megas lilops. Lilops. Megas lilops. It means a tempestuous whirlwind, a violent attack of wind, a squall. Never a single gust nor a steady violent blowing wind. A storm breaking forth from black thunderclouds in furious gusts with floods of rain throwing everything into disorder. That's what we're talking about. And suddenly, that happens. Mega, mega storm happens. Top it off, it's pitch black outside. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat and the boat was filling up with water. But he was in the stern asleep, head on a pillow. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Have you ever compared yourself to like the, the disciples? You're like, oh, yeah, but they were so godly, and I'm just a, I'm just a dude. I'm just a girl. Allow me to compare you to them now. Because you know what they're saying to Jesus? Don't you give a blank? Don't you care? You don't care that we're going to die. You guys, the accusations they're making against Jesus right now is coming against his character. In the midst of the panic, they're not taking the time to say you're unloving, you're unkind, you're unprotective. But this is what they're saying. You don't care about me. You're willing to just sit there and let me die. And I think that's where the comparison is fair. We've all done it. Well, don't you care? Don't you give a flip? Well, don't you love me? You're letting me go through this? Don't you even love me? We've done it. We've made those accusations against his character, against his love, against the truth of who he is. Why? Fear? Fear? Pain? Lack of hope? Hopelessness? But we've done it. We've done it. completely insulting we just read past it you know teacher don't you don't you care that we're perishing we just read right past it this is insulting jesus don't you care that we're going to die you're responsible for us dying because you're not going to be there for me verse 39 and jesus awoke and he rebuked the wind 
and the raging sea. I said, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And the waters were perfectly stilled. And there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? You know what I love about this? Even with the nasty accusation of the disciples, even the insulting accusation of the disciples, did you see what he did with his words here? He rebuked the storm, but he spoke to his disciples. Wow. He loves us. Even when we're at our worst, he's got grace for us. Even when we're ugly and nasty and our words are full of anger and fear. Do you see here? He rebukes the storm in our lives and he speaks to us. I love that he speaks to us. I How many people have ever gotten the silent treatment for someone before? Right? They just won't even speak to you. They just pretend like they didn't hear you. The silent treatment. That is not our God. He speaks to us even when we're ugly. The wind's dying down, the wind's dying down. Okay, I mean, I guess that could be like a, a crazy coincidence. But the water's being completely stilled. So imagine this. Okay, these are the waves. Waves, they're huge. And Jesus says, peace, be still. That's what happened. It wasn't, peace, be still. That's not what happened. He says the waters were instantly stilled. Why? Because the winds and the waves know his name. They know his authority. And they have to respond. So I, I, I don't know how many boats were there, but here's what I imagine. I imagine, like, um, it's Hollywood's fault. My rabbit trails are sometimes Hollywood's fault. Okay? So Jurassic Park, the cup of water, Right? The cup of water that's on the dash in Jurassic Park, and then there's the T-Rex that stomps, and the, you know, the little, that right there. So I'm imagining the boats they have on their dashboards. I'm pretty sure they have dashboards. There's a glass of water, and the water was instantly stilled, but yet that water in that cup is still like the outside is totally stilled. Can you imagine feeling that kind of stillness? So it's still dark outside because it's evening. But it's no longer terrifying. It's no longer terrifying. The thoughts of, if I get thrown overboard, I will never be found. It's pitch black. I can never cling to that life preserver, that rope, that whatever. If I go overboard, I am dead. It was pitch black. The wind is blowing. The waves are blowing. All of a sudden, there's stillness. 
the wind is still. The clouds are gone. Maybe the clouds aren't gone. The Bible doesn't say that. In my mind, I'm, I'm, all of a sudden I see stars. What was ugly and what was scary and, and what to me was death is now beautiful. Now give me an evening on the lake on a clear night with no wind every day of the week. Let me experience something just that where they thought they were going to die, now they're in the presence of God, him speaking to them, but also challenging them. Do you still have no faith? He was resting. Jesus was resting because he knew the Father's plan, the Father's purpose. He knew this wasn't going to be the end of any of them because he knew the purpose of all of them. And he was resting. Verse 41, and they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? In Matthew, it says they marveled. They marveled. Real quick, here's five important lessons we can learn from this powerful story. Number one, Jesus asked his disciples to go to the other side. This was Jesus' idea. He's the one who said, let's go. Too many times we're in the midst of a storm, we think that something we've done wrong. Instead of asking the Lord, Lord, what have you asked me to do, walk with you in this? Are you going to carry me through something remarkable that's going to change generations? Or it's going to be a bit, it's going to be difficult for me. Lord, I, are you the one leading in this? Jesus asked them to go to the other side. Sometimes it's Jesus inviting us to join him in doing his work, knowing that there will be tsunamis, but knowing he's right there with us. Number two, the disciples followed Jesus. We are to follow Jesus anywhere he's leading us. If it's bigger than us, we're to follow. If it's smaller than us, which is sometimes harder than the bigger us. That's beneath you, Lord. That's beneath you. We're to, we're to follow him. The disciples got in the boat that Jesus was in, and they, they followed his instruction. Others got in other boats and followed. I promise you, as we're following we're probably leading too. We're probably leading too. There's probably others in boats behind us that are following our lead, seeing how we will trust the Lord. Number three, don't panic if Jesus is silent. Don't lose your mess if Jesus is silent. Because there's sometimes when we're talking to him, his answer doesn't come as quickly as we like. Sometimes when we're, when we're talking to him, we flat out don't like his answer, so we're giving him the silent treatment. Lord, I know that wasn't you. I know that wasn't you. I asked you for this. I'm expecting this. You said this. I'm waiting for this answer from you, Lord. I'm, I'm standing firm. I'm waiting on this answer. He's like, I gave you my answer. You just didn't like it. 
right? If it seems like he's deserted you, don't worry. Do what the Father says. Jesus said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. We're just looking and listening for more. Number four, cry out for help. Cry out for help. Here we we see the disciples being insulted. But they still knew the only one that could save them. They were insulting, but they were insulting out of fear and panic, but they still cried out to the only one who could save them, and he did. Worry is always useless, but prayer is always effective. Although we may not get exactly what we want, we will get what we need. And the last one, learn how to look back says the disciples marveled. But before that, Jesus said, are you still not, do you still not have faith in me? They, they weren't looking back. They weren't remembering. They weren't remembering what God had done the other time. That's what he's saying. He's like, you've seen all these things. You still don't have faith in me? You guys, there's this reproductive power in remembrance. Pastor Al used to say, what we remember, we reproduce. We're to remember. We're to look back. We're to marvel. Okay, okay, I know this situation's not going the way we want, but remember that one time? Remember last April? Remember that when we were this and this and this? Remember what the Lord did? Yeah, the Lord did this. You remember that? Oh my gosh. And we're supposed to soak each other to that type of remembrance. As the body, we're to do this together and remind each other just how good our God is. That will increase our faith. And that will help us deal with future problems. All of us are going to have future problems. Uh, I've heard it said, either we just came out of going through hell, we're currently going through hell, or we're about to go through hell. life is life, right? Life is hard. Is Jesus any less faithful in the storm than he was in the pasture? The rest we can have in Jesus Christ alone is it any more powerful when it's after being led beside the still waters into a place of of joy and and peace and, and nourishment for our soul than it is when we are panicked and in the thick of it and God still comes through. Is anybody fearing for their life this morning? Is anybody fearful of their future? Anybody being slammed by the waves of life? Is your security just out the window? Is it shot? Because you're just shaken by the winds and the storm and the darkness and the lack of an answer and the lack of a solution and the lack of being able to fix it. I've done everything I can, Lord. I've done everything I can. And are you shaken? 
Sometimes I'm shaken, man. Sometimes I am shaken. Sometimes my calling out to the Lord is not fully faith-based. Sometimes it's snarky and fear-based. He still wants us calling out. He's good. And he's there not with a rebuke, but with a response. When Jesus leads us and we faithfully follow, foot in his footsteps we don't have to fear we just have to relinquish control we just have to recognize we're not the one calling the shots we're not the one that's in control we're the one that's wholly dependent upon a holy God when we set off on our own course when we want to test the waters of being Lord and we do our own thing and we take our eyes off Jesus and onto ourselves and our plans and our desires and our flesh and Lord help us those storms are harsh those storms are brutal I know that there's some folks in this place in this church going through hard things right now. I know that. There's things that that Kara and I walk out. That we're walking out now that are hard. That Andy and Kim are walking out that are hard. But Jesus is with us. He is with us and he is just as faithful in the beauty and the refreshing poetry, if you will, of the 23rd Psalm and he is just as faithful as in the darkness and the uncertainty and the chaos of Mark 4. He's just as worthy. He is just as true. He is just as dependable. And we can rest because of that fact. Stop looking at the circumstance. Stop, stop looking at the storm. I know it's loud and we can feel it. But look to Jesus. Can we, can we close our eyes? We're just going to ask the Lord to reset our focus. Reset our focus on Him. This, this is not a, a template prayer, friends. It's th- This is the time for you to personalize this. As, as I'm praying, you to say, yeah, Lord, this thing right here, I set my eyes on you, and you to personalize this as God. Uh, Lord Jesus, you are good. You are true. You are beautiful. You are praiseworthy. You are great, and you are mighty, and you are strong. And the winds still have to submit to your authority. The waves still know your name. place of rest, our minds to a place of rest. And right now, as an act of our will, we we just purpose to not try and be the solution, not try and be the one that figures this out, because we're not the hero in this story or any story. Lord Jesus, you are. You're our hero. 
You're the one that saves the day. You're the only name on which we can call and be saved. So we call on your name right now, Jesus. Jesus. Church, just, just say his name, Jesus. you to just bring peace to the storms in people's lives. Bring clarity to your response, to your words, to, to, the, to, to your thoughts on the matter. Give us ears to hear, Lord. I pray that if there are distractions that are louder than your voice, Lord, let us know about those distractions so we can silence those so we can hear you, so we can walk away from those distractions so we can hear you. prayer for anything today, this is a really good time to respond. This is a really good time in the midst of the presence to say, yeah, I would love more prayer. As the service ends, there'll be people that'll make their way up here because they want to pray for you. And if you if you want prayer, be like, I want prayer and we would love to pray for you. Jesus, we love that. Rest this this little series on rest will you purpose in your heart to demonstrate your trust in God by resting by resting by laughing by letting him pour joy into you and just filling up the different chambers of your life with his presence so I'll leave you with this blessing the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have a restful day, my friends.